Welcome to the Highway Church Podcast. We're excited that you would join us today and hope you're encouraged by the message you hear. If you'd like to know more, visit our website, highway.com.au. How are we all going tonight? Doing well? Hey, it's an incredible book, the book of Haggai. I would encourage you, this is where we're going as a church. I would encourage you to take a read. It's only a few chapters long and it will do us well to be all on the same page. Amen. And as a church is where we're going to be spending a bit of our time. And so I just want to bring some context. If you haven't read the book of Haggai, you don't even know what that means. That's okay. But Haggai was a minor prophet in the Old Testament. And a minor prophet, the difference between a minor prophet and a major prophet, when I was younger, I used to think the major prophets were just better than the minor prophets because a major. Um, but really, it was just they could fit all of their prophecy on one scroll back in the day. And so your major prophets had more scrolls. Your minor prophets only had one. And so Haggai was a bit of a one-hit wonder. And so he brings his prophecy to the people of Israel in 520 BC. That's just a long time ago, if you want to put it simply. And he puts it to the people in 520 BC, but it's been roughly 18 years since they've been in captivity. They were enslaved by the Babylonian Empire, and they're 18 years since being free. And they've done a few things in that 18 years. They've restored the foundations of the temple that was destroyed when they got taken over. These people have restored the foundations of the church where the presence of God would dwell. Now the presence of God dwells in us, not in the building. Amen. How good is that? That it's not in the building, but it's in the people of God. But back then, the presence of God was in the temple. And so the presence of God would be housed there. So they've done one thing. They've laid the foundations but then that, guess what happened? Pastor Byron spoke about it today. Opposition arose. And when the opposition arises, who knows? We have two options. Go or stop. What did the people do? They stopped. As soon as the opposition arose, after laying the foundation of the temple, they stopped. You can go back and read this in Ezra chapter 2 if you want to get more context later. But anyway, they stopped building the foundations of the temple. And so they have the foundations there, but no structure. They have no temple, and, and it's just desolate. And they get comfortable. Who knows that sometimes we can get real comfortable in various different, different living situations. You get what I mean? Like, when, like what is... Dis- Disgusting to you to live in is appropriate for your teenager to live in. They think that's absolutely fine that their room is in that condition. Why? Because they're used to it. And so the Israelites are walking around doing their life. They're going about their business and they're used to seeing the temple destroyed. They're used to seeing the foundation. And guess what? They're happy about it. They celebrate the fact that the foundation's there. But this is when Haggai comes along 18 years after and he says, hang on a second, we all need to repent. And now put it into context, these guys aren't doing that much wrong. Like when you think about it, these people are more like us than probably any other group of Israelites found in the Bible. Why? Because they're not not doing all of the things like that the other forefathers had done. Like they're not sacrificing to pagan gods. They're not killing their sons and daughters on high places. They're not committing adultery and all those sorts of things. They're not doing all of the major sin that the people thought would separate them from God, but they are sinning. And sin is sin. What are the people doing? This is one that's going to hurt. They were busy. (laughs) We're all in the same boat there. They were busy. That's what Haggai is there to say. Guys, 
You've been so used to just the foundation, you celebrated the foundation. As soon as opposition arose, you stopped, and now you're too busy to complete what you laid in foundations. And there are so many people who have started a Christian life who have laid solid foundations only to become too busy to build anything of worth. You see, God doesn't look at the foundation and go, good job. He looks at the foundation and says, build something. He looks at the foundations of our faith. He looks at the foundation, the starting place of our faith. And I'm not going to discredit foundations. They're important. They hold everything up. But if all we have is the foundation, church, we have nothing. Jesus says it like this in Luke chapter 14. I'm not going to read, but I'll paraphrase. He says, a man builds a tower. He decides to build a tower, but doesn't add up the cost. And he can't complete it. And people walk by and they ridicule him because he did not do what he set out to do. Church, if we're not willing to count the cost of our relationship with God, then people will ridicule us when we only have foundations. Foundations are good, but God requires us to build something. Foundations at highway are good, but now we're going to build something of worth. We're going to awaken some things that have laid dormant in our hearts. Tonight's message is called The False Summit. The thing I love about these people, like I've already said, they were busy. That was their sin. Puts most of us in the same basket because we've all been busy. (laughs) Thank goodness all have fallen short of the glory of God. (laughs) But they were busy. And Haggai redirects their, their focus. He says, hey, I know you're busy. I know you've got careers. He even names it. You've got careers. You've got families. You've got responsibilities. You've got things you want to do. But are you building my house? Because all of those things are good, and I'm not saying any of those things. Building a great career is important. Building a great education is important. Building up finance is important in the priority that God is first. It's the priorities that need to align. Not the things that are bad, but the priorities can come out of whack. So the people listen, and guess what? This, is, this also separates the story from anywhere else in the Old Testament. The people actually obey. Can you, but fully, they actually obey the word of Haggai. They actually start to turn their life and they start to repent. What does it mean to repent? It means to turn. It means to direct your life. You were once directing your life towards this, but now I've turned and I'm directing my life in another way. And so he says these words, consider your ways. In verse 5 and verse 7, he says, consider your ways, consider your ways. Whenever that's written, whenever there's repetition, we know that the author wants us to know something. This is important. The author wanted us to know we need, because in the busy culture that we live in, we reflect their culture quite well. And so he's saying, consider your ways, which is the first step to repentance, by the way, is to actually consider your ways so that you can turn from your ways. And so my question for us tonight is, are we considering our schedules? Is relationship with God something we, at the center of our life, or something we fit into our life? Is Jesus the focus of our hearts, or has He got a little place in our hearts? Because He doesn't just need a little place, He needs our hearts. He needs our minds. He needs our attention. 
He needs our worship. He needs people who will look at the foundations that they've built over generations or decades in his church and say, the the foundations are good, but I'm building something of worth. As Pastor Byron would say, I'm not done with the foundations because when my generations look back, they're gonna see something that was built in faith. There's gonna be no ridiculing about, I didn't add up the cost of what it would build, what it would cost to build. No, no, I'm a person who's willing to pay the cost. Church, are we people who are willing to pay the cost to build God's house? To simply lay the foundation of one's faith is not enough. What use are the foundations if we aren't willing to build? And so the people start to turn and God says in verse seven, and I love this part, he says, go up to the mountains. That's again another image that God uses quite often in the Old Testament because anytime he tells somebody to go up into the mountains, he's saying, come and meet with me. He says, like Moses goes to the mountains to meet with God. Abraham goes to the mountains to sacrifice his son, so he thinks, only to find out that God's a gracious God and doesn't require child sacrifice, unlike any of the other gods of their time. Hurrah, come on. And so all these moments of people, Jesus goes up to the mountain to have time with God, quite frequently, we're told. And so God, and so Haggai says, you know, we gotta go up to the mountains. This is what God's telling me. We've got to go up to the mountains and collect timber. Tonight, my message title is called False Summits. Because I believe there are people, and myself included, at moments in our life where we think we have encountered all there is in God. We think that we have an experience with God that is going to be the most, like we look in the past to be encouraged, not to the future. In church, anytime we have to look to the past and not to the future, is a time we need correction. Because I tell you what, there's something that God wants to do in the future that is greater than any move He has done in the past. And if we have to keep on going back to old ways and those days, then those days can be celebrated, yes, but they cannot be worshipped. We don't worship the old things, but we worship the God who's doing the new thing in our world and in our life. So He says, go up into the mountains, come and meet with me. Did you know that there is more in God than what you've experienced? I'm always telling you, team, there is more in God than what we've experienced. Do you know how we know? We serve a supernatural God. We serve a God who is above and not beneath. We serve a God who is constantly doing a new thing. And guess what? He's not, we're not waiting on God. Sometimes people say, I'm just waiting on God. Is God behind time? Is God slacking off somewhere? No, 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 I'm finding God in my now and I'm directing my path with Him. I'm finding God in my today and I'm aligning my heart with Him. I'm finding my God in what He's doing right in the here and now. I'm not waiting for someday because that day will never come because God is a moving God. He moves through people, not around people. He will move through you and me, not around us. Go up into the mountains. Who's done some hiking? Has anybody in the room done hiking? Who loves hiking? We'll pray for you later. They'll be fine. No, I'm joking. 
I respect people who love hiking. I watched the movie 14 Peaks on Netflix. Anyone seen that? And I was just like, I was inspired. It's about this dude who hiked 14 of the biggest peaks in how long? Six months or something? It was a crazy amount of time. It was like, literally, the previous record was 16 years. This guy did it in a matter of months. Hiked all, hiked all of the 14 peaks, the tallest mountains in the world. And I was just like, man, I want to do some hiking right now. I feel like doing some hiking. Anyway, me and Poppy... Well, actually, me and Poppy's dad, Dan, which that's not confusing, is it? Um, (laughs) Or awkward. Um, But what happened was me and Dan and uh, Josh, we went hiking one one day, and Dan has a way of doing things, and um, he calls it Dan's Adventures, and boy, oh boy, it is an adventure, anything you do with Dan. Just go ask Annie after the service. (laughs) She'll tell you. And Dan, Dan literally has this map. And he just goes, "Ah, we're done with the map. I'm going to lead us up this mountain. And we're just following. And I remember going, like, literally, we're climbing rocks. And I I think, this is not the track. I am sure this is not the track. But he's like, yeah, yeah, we're making our own path. We're forging our own way. We're doing it our way. We're doing it my way. And so he's, he's up the path and I'm slipping over rocks and he's almost falling down canyons and we're doing all these types of things. And every time we got to a summit that we thought was the top, we saw another summit. <laughs> Literally, it happened like three times. We, we got to the top, we're like, oh, we're here. Oh, wait, there's another higher peak right there. Let's go. And we'll go up and then we did it again. Oh, we're here. It's beautiful. But then every time we got to the summit, and realized there was another destination that was higher in altitude, we realized that we weren't content. Church, it's only when we feel like we have accomplished all there is in God, we have been to the conference experience and we have felt the presence of God like no other time, that we become content and our journey stops. But when we have a mentality that, hey God, in worship, I, I know that there is more of you then I know right now that you want to speak to me in a real new way, that the things that have been prophesied over my life in the past, there's more prophecies in the future. There's a new promise that you want to do in my life now. That keeps us searching and inquisitive. And church, to, have, to be inquisitive in the presence of God, it's a gift. Because apathy is a killer of faith. Just to become familiar and have contempt means we'll dishonor the presence of God. Like the reason why we feel God's presence when we first knew Him was because every day we walked into a presence, like even church, we came with an expectation and we came with that excitement. We came with, what's God gonna do in my life today? Where, how's He gonna speak to me? And we came and we found. But over years or decades, sometimes we can stop looking and being inquisitive and venturing with God And it's in those moments that we no longer find him because he draws close to those who draw close to him. He's not so big that he can't be with you. He's not too big to be small, as I would say to teenagers. So me and Dan are struggling up this mountain and we keep on going to the next high. Can I say this tonight? There is another level that God has in your life. I'm not talking about hype. 
I'm not talking about just feel-good tingles in worship. I'm not talking about anything like that can be superstitious. I'm talking about an awakening in the hearts of everyone in this room to a new sense and a new expectation and a new enthusiasm for the Holy Spirit to move in our day that we would not be content with our generations and our schools and our universities and the people around our worlds who are suffering through hell when we live in the presence and the capability of heaven because we are connected to a God who's moving in our world. That there is another thing, another, another step that we can take tonight as His church to say, God, I don't want the false summit. I don't want the fake summit of your love, of your grace, of your mercy, but help me to bring an expectation every time I open up your word. Help me to bring an expectation every time I stand in worship. Help me to bring an expectation every time I decide I'm gonna use my whole body to praise you because it's in that moment, it's in those moments that God reveals himself. And so he says to the people, go up the mountain. You have to hike up a mountain sometimes. And sometimes reading the Word or the prayer or whatever it is, it's not fun and you don't get something from it. But you've got to do it because out of doing it, you find Him. It's the grit. It's the determination that not every day I'm going to feel like holding on to God. But I will. Not every day, I'm not gonna feel like holding on to His promises, but I will. Not every Sunday when it's cold in the a.m. and the kids need to get dressed and everything needs to happen, am I gonna feel like joining together in unity as His church, but I will. Because my life will not just be a foundation, it will be something that is built from glory to glory. Turns out Poppy's a bit like her dad when it comes to hiking. Remember one day me and Poppy are on this adventure and Poppy's, she's like, we, are, we have to get to where we need to go. We need to walk through this creek, this running torrent. Literally this thing is flying with water, like a proper torrent with rocks and everything. And I'm like, that's like up to our hips. And I'm like, it can't possibly mean that we need to jump in there. And she's like, yep, that's what we need to do to get where we need to go. We need to climb. And this thing is like literally kilometers long. It's like, we just need to do this for half an hour. Me and Poppy are literally in this running torrent for probably 25 minutes, it felt like anyway. And we are, Poppy's fallen over. She's like been on the side with like this big egg on her knee. I'm like trying not to get my, my all, everything like soaked. And we're climbing through this torrent and then I hear little kids' voices. And I'm like, how are little kids climbing through what we are struggling through? How are little, little, like girls and boys, like four years old, how can I hear their voices all the way up here when I'm struggling to get up? It turns out there was a track just to the right of what we were suffering th through and there was a track with parents, little kids. Turns out that our hike was actually enjoyable for most families. That you could bring anybody, two-year-olds, three-year-olds. It didn't matter if they could walk, they could get there. And here me and Poppy are, the two crazies. Would have looked so funny to them. Like, hey, kids, don't do that. And we're like climbing through, trying to get through this torrent with the water crashing around. 
See, there are well-worn paths for our families to use to climb the mountain of God. There are well-worn paths that we don't have to learn from other people's mistakes that we can use to climb into the presence of God. The well-worn path of prayer, praying in the Spirit, if I can have the team back. But the well-worn path of prayer and praying in the Spirit, it is a tool that we use so that our generations don't have to go in the creek, but can use the path that has been set before us, all found in the Word. The well-worn path of worship. Worship is a weapon, church. Worship is not something we just do on a Sunday to feel good. Worship is not something that we just have to do to get through a church service. Worship is a lifestyle. It's an attention. It's an awareness of God. God, we worship you with our attention. We worship you with our focus. We worship you with our hands raised and our hearts open. Worship is a weapon. And so what we do is we, we teach people, hey, this is what prayer looks like. And this is what worship looks like. And this is the path up the mountain of God into the presence of God. Because who knows, it's not a physical mountain we need to climb, but it's, a, it's almost a spiritual mountain within us. It's an intentional decision that we need to climb into His presence. Reading the Word. This is a big one. We know worship. We, most of us would know prayer. But statistics show that only 3% of Christians read their Bible once a week. That's pretty shocking. That's pretty, that's pretty, like considering it needs to renew our mind, that's a shocking statistic. But as a church, it's not to condemn us, it's to say, hey, will we come on the journey of using the path of His Word so that our generations can follow and not have to soldier through things that generations before have already learned? You see, I'm going to touch on this, the Word of God just for a little longer because there was a recent study done. These are factual statistics. These are not, this is not like we think so. This is actually data from a study taken of over a thousand people, okay? It found that people who read the Bible, and I'm gonna to touch on this because I really, I feel to, but people who read the Bible four times per week, four times, not every day, four times a week, will experience loneliness drop 38%. They'll see anger issues drop 32%. They will see alcoholism drop 57%. And they will, they will have the feeling, they will see being spiritually empty drop 60%. That's the power of the Word of God. That's the power of a Word that's alive and breathing. That's the power of the Word that is able to decipher and it's sharper than any double-edged sword. That's the power of His Word. I think we know the power of prayer. I think we know the power of worship. I even think we know sometimes the power of praise. But what we don't understand, obviously, is the power of His Word. The power of His Word to renew our minds and lead us up into the presence of God. Can I encourage you to use the tracks that have been laid in His Word, prayer, worship, reading the Word. Because as we start to do that, we're led into His presence. See, the higher the mountain, the fewer the people. 
We need well-worn paths into the presence of God because you're leading someone. We need well-worn paths into the presence of God because you're leading your family, you're leading your kids, you're leading your spouse, you're leading your friends, you may even be leading your neighbours, and they are watching us, church. And the way we act, the way we conduct our lives, the way we prioritise our lives is saying something to them. Do we actually believe what we confess? You see, the mountain experience requires effort and it's sustained effort. It's not just a one moment decision and everything happens, but the mountain experience says, hey God, I want more of you in my life. God, I need to repent. God, I need to turn from the ways that I've been conducting my life. I've been too busy for you, God. I've been too caught up in my career. I've been too caught up even in my studies. I've been too caught up. And rather than making you the central focus, I've been serving sport. I've been serving my job. I've been serving finances. I've been serving anything but you. See, something happens on the mountain. You can't stay up on the mountain every day, every week, although we wish we could. But some of the key mountains in Scripture that I'm going to quickly go through, Mount Sinai. Moses receives the Ten Commandments from God. See, the mountain experience is a place of instruction for your life. The mountain of olives, Jesus is praying there. The mountain is a place of forged convictions. It's in that place Jesus says, not my will, but yours. Mount Zion, where David builds the temple. The mountain is a place of productivity. Who knows that you can be striving in your strength one moment in the presence of God and suddenly you have an answer that you've been thinking about, toiling about, not not getting sleep about, but one moment. The mountain is a place of productivity, church. Mount Tabor, which is Jesus' transfiguration when He's taken up into heaven. It's a place of transformation. The mountaintop experience. If we can stand to our feet. Isaiah 52 verse 7. I love this verse. It says, How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring the good news. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring the good news. Church, this is our mountaintop experience. When we're united together as His body, this is our moment to reach into His presence, say, God, I repent. God, I've been busy. God, You haven't been the focus. God, Your Word's not been in my heart. I haven't been finding time to pray. I haven't been time to lead my kids or whatever it is. God, I want to start afresh. I want to climb the mountain into your presence. Because we have a good news to bring, church. We have good news to bring to the world that surrounds us. Your foundations are there, but are we building something of worth? Because God says it's time to awaken the pioneer spirit in us. It's time to wake up. It's time to equip ourselves. 
at times to pull back those things that you've left dormant, those gifts, those calls, that talent that you have. It's time to awaken those things again. And it's time to move up the mountain together. And it's time to come back down into our world throughout the week and bring the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is our mission. It's to have that encounter and say, God, I'm coming back, but I'm coming back in your anointing. God, I'm coming back down into my workplace and I'm gonna go into that workplace and I'm gonna see the move of God that's in front of me. I'm gonna see the person who needs prayer. I'm gonna see the person who who just needs me to shout them lunch. I'm gonna see the person who needs that conversation. And if you're in this place with every head bowed, every eye closed, and you've never been in church, or maybe this is the first time in church in a long time, but something about what I've been saying, something about Jesus tonight has drawn you here. I wanna give you a, just a moment. No one else is looking around. I'm gonna see your hand. But I just wanna, I feel to do this. If, if you wanna accept Jesus for the first time in a long time, maybe you just need to turn your life back towards Him. Maybe you've never made a decision for Jesus. But you say, hey, I really feel I need to make this decision. You'll know it's you because Holy Spirit would just be doing something on your heart. If that is you, would you just raise your hand? I'll see it and you can put it straight back down. I'll have a conversation with you after the service. Is there anyone here tonight? Thanks, I see that hand. Thank you. Is there anyone else here tonight? One more time, I really feel there's somebody else. Is there anybody else? You just wanna hate, that's me. Thank you, thank you. Great, let's pray together. If, you're, if you've said, if you rose your hand, if you didn't raise your hand, would you just pray this prayer with me? Say, dear God, today, I give you my heart, I give you my future. I give you my past mistakes. I believe that Jesus died and He rose again so that I could be in relationship with you. Today, I receive you as my Saviour. In Jesus' Name, and everyone said, Amen. Yeah, we can get excited about that. Church, this week, let me encourage you. Let's go up the mountain through His Word, through worship, through prayer, whatever you choose. Let's utilize what we have and let's create paths for the generations to come. Amen. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you'd like to get in contact with us or find out more about Highway Church, go to highway.com.au.